0: Welcome to episode 16 of Ooh To Be A Podcast. My name is Raj Baines, I'm your host, and joining me is Rory Benson down the line. Rory, how are you?
1: Yeah, very well, mate. Uh, looking forward to another podcast, and uh, in the comfort of my home, home, own home this time, so really <laughs> looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, uh, 16 episodes, I think that means we're now a legal podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's been interesting, mate. We yeah. can change it for the
0: world. Two more episodes and we can start drinking on her, so that'll be <laughs> uh, that be interesting. Um, if we start in the the obvious obvious place, sorry, which is the the Tottenham game. Uh, if we take the the first ten minutes in isolation first, I thought that was probably the most entertaining ten minutes we've had at, at the John Smiths all season, and you know I was really impressed with how Huddersfield stood toe-to-toe with Spurs, really could have, you know, scraped in a goal had one of the crosses been a bit better, had that Smith shot deflected in the right place into somebody else's path. I thought that was really, really good, and it was almost unfortunate from a Huddersfield perspective that, you know, one sort of sloppy go kicking ahead a header back led to Harry Kane being through one-on-one. What did you make to the starting of the game?
1: Yeah, I thought Town started really well. Uh, started with loads of energy, which is you know, what you need to do against one of the best teams in the league. And as you say, if an early goal had gone in, the whole complexion of the game changes. Um, as you said, it, it was unfortunate that they, they conceded so early. After that, you're then chasing the game. And against a team like Tottenham, you, you don't want to be going out and chasing the game. So it could easily have gone either way in that first 10 minutes. To be honest, I thought the rest of the game, town weren't too bad. Um creatively, maybe there wasn't enough there to, to pinch a goal. Um, but most most of the positions on the pitch I, I thought town played all right. they just came up against a team who were on fire and you know are, are one of the best teams in the league. so it's not one that it's not a performance I'm particularly worried about at all. Um, it's just one of those ones that you have to put your hand up and just say, well yeah they they, they were better than us on the day. Um and you know, that's that's what the the amount of money that Tottenham spent, that's what it gets you, it gets that that quality. And also, you know, Harry Kane is just on his day, is is unplayable and and he was on fire again um against town.
0: I think that's a good point to make, is that it's not just that they were playing Tottenham, but they were playing a Tottenham team that were clearly motivated and had approached the game in the right manner and were were ready to put in a performance and had they played like that against almost any type, any side in this division it was likely that they would have scored two or three at least against them as well especially with kane in the form he's at present so it's not i don't think it's anything to worry about necessarily i don't think it's really a, a reflection of of how good huddersfield are in the context of the premier league it's probably a yardstick of how far away huddersfield are from the top four which is you know, lofty ambitions, but I don't think anybody's sort of looking at Champions League places seriously and thinking that's where town should be competing. Mm-hmm. So that's not really a, a wake-up call at all. If anything, it's just, you know, confirmation, as you say, of, of how good a side Tottenham are in this division at this moment in time. There's There's been some... Sp- some fallout regarding the manner in which the goals were scored. And a fair few people saying that they were more down to individual mistakes than than great football. I think the third one you can probably put down to just Harry Kane being brilliant, although mm-hmm. um, maybe he was given too much space on his wrong foot. But uh, if you're going to give him space, you you probably want it to be on his left rather than his right. The first one was, as we say, a mistake from Christopher Lover in that it, it he misjudged the flight of the ball and Kane managed to, to get away clean after that. Yep. And the second one was just a weird tackle deflection that fell into the, the path of Ben Davies. So I'm not sure there's, there's anyone that I'd want to hang drawn quarter after that performance.
1: No, I think, as you say, it was a, it was a misjudgment for the first, um, the first goal. I thought the second goal was, was horribly unlucky and, Although Chris Love has had a, a bit of a sort of difficult time of it of late, I don't think you can blame him on that. You know, he's he's made a tackle and it's just fallen to to Ben Davies in acres of space. Um, yeah, I, maybe I think every time you concede four, people are going to ask, well, let's let's assess the goals. Two of them I would say probably can't do anything about, and two of them maybe we could have done a bit better, but. I don't think, you know, against the Tottenham side that were that were on fire, I'm, you know, you, you kind of make your own luck in those situations and Tottenham were pressing. And it wasn't like the goals were handed to them on a plate. It just meant that their players, who are some of the best players in the league, as I said before, you know, when you give them space, they're going to punish you. And they, and they did, you know, Town gave them two chances to be punished and they did both times. So, you know, again, it's not something that, that I'm particularly concerned about, you know, before, before the game, I don't think anyone expected anything. And when the, the fixtures were drawn, I don't think anyone would have thought, all right, okay, we'll, we'll look at Tottenham as a, you know, Tottenham at home. We can pick up points there. I don't think anyone would have got that, would have said that. So, you know, it's one of those, well, you, were, you were you saying that in off. the
0: office to me all last week. So you've, you've been awfully quiet about it since.
1: What, what, saying that? they? I said they, they might be able to get something because of the way they've started, but before the season, no one would have said, all right, Tottenham at home, that's that's the game town could pick up points. No one no, would have I said know, that at all.
0: I'm only, I'm only teasing you. Um, <coughs> <laughs> if, we're, if we're on about teasing, the only thing that I thought was untoward in the game was, uh, well, there's two things, really. There's uh, The first one was the fact that Moussa Soko managed to score a goal, which is, you know, something I never thought I would ever see in my life. Uh he did his very best to miss it. Don't get me wrong, but his name's still on that score sheet. And the other one was was Deli Ali's dive, which is interesting given the proximity with which it's come from the Van der Parra incident. Interesting that it comes on the same weekend that Burnley had a man yellow carded for diving as well. And Sean Dyche was uh, somewhat quiet about that as well compared to what he was in the the Van der Parra incident. So I think, you know, what we were saying last week about, you know, that that one dive not being a reason to sort of uh, to write off Rajiv or or, you know, use it as a stick to beat him with too heavily has sort of come into fruition just a week afterwards because we've we've seen it in so many different instances in such close proximity to that one incident.
1: Yeah, I think maybe because Rajiv and the Paris last week, obviously it's it was our team, so we're, we're going to analyse that. I think Dele alleys was, you know, equally as bad. Um, the three and a
0: away against a newly promoted side. There was just no need for it.
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, I think... Match of the name maybe didn't make as much of it as the Rajiv and the Paradise because it's Delhi Alley and he's sort of the golden boy of English football at the minute. And other um, things
0: had happened in the game, unlike the Burnley match.
1: Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not nice to see, you know, it, we, 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 you know, said what we said about Rajiv and der you know, not, not being, not that, not being sort of something that we want to see in the game. And we don't want to see it for another team, be it, you know, against town, for town, or, you know, nothing to do with town. It's just not something that should be in the game at all. And it's, you know, it was, it was not nice to see, especially after last week, that's, you know, after Rajiv and the did it, you, you would have thought, you know, well, players, you know, maybe would learn from another player and not do that. But to see two in a week afterwards, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not nice for the, it's not good for the Premier League as a brand. And it's also just not nice to see as a as a football fan.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing that has sort of been tabled as a, an accusation or maybe a, a criticism of how Huddersfield played is that they've been described as, as naive by a lot of people because they did try and play football against Tottenham, which a lot of teams don't, and, and some of them that don't get some joy out of it. We've spoken before about how until John Joselvi was sent off on the opening day of the season, Newcastle were, were fairly even with Spurs in, in containing them. Swansea have gone to Wembley and got a point. Burnley have gone to Wembley and got a point. Um so these are these are teams that have been fairly unambitious in the way that they've attempted to play against Spurs and they've they've come out of the game with something to show for it. It's not been particularly attractive. I don't think anybody really enjoyed those matches either at Tottenham perspective, or you know, away fans. Even though you know they celebrate at the end because they've got a point against a big team, it's not particularly memorable. Um, I think there's echoes in in other conversations in the bits we've had between ourselves in the past in this. But what did you make of the way that Huddersfield set out? Because I was very supportive of it. I think it takes you know, fairly big set of stones to go out and try and play football against a side that are as good as Tottenham. And as we said with those opening 10 minutes, had things gone another way, you know, perhaps people wouldn't be as um, negative about that that mindset because, you know, Huddersfield could have quite easily gone out there, stuck 10 men behind the ball, completely abandoned philosophy and still been pumped by five. And nobody would have enjoyed the game. There would have been none of that camaraderie or, or goodwill after the game because nobody will have enjoyed the experience. So, do you, what do you make of that, I think?
1: <laughs> to be honest, I think, although, as you said, I, I think it's great that Town stick to their philosophy. I think it's, you know, David Wagner is right to stick to his philosophy because, you know, it, it's it's got him all this success in the past. One thing I would say in terms of, you know, sort of learning from from the past, maybe not your own past, but others uh, who've, who've gone up. Say Blackpool, who went up, had a really good start, played attacking attractive football all the time. After Christmas, you know, people started to work them out and they didn't have a plan, plan B. Um, I think they stayed up in the first season, but went down the next season. What I would say is that a plan B is not a bad thing to have. Um, although Towns Plan A, I would say, is probably better than than Blackpool's was back then. I still think a Plan B is is you know a, a good thing to be working on, you know, if you're going to maybe Tottenham away or, or at any of the top six away, to be honest. Um, and occasion, you know, also Man City probably at home. Obviously, it worked last season in the Cup, but you know, being the Premier League and they're going to be playing all of their top talent. And the way that they're playing this season as well, I think. Although it's, although, you know, you've got the success from from the way they've played before. I do think that you have to be sort of multifaceted in the Premier League. You have to be able to play in different ways. And although you can play in different ways with the terrier mentality being there, and you can, you can play in different ways, but the philosophy staying the same. You do sometimes have to sort of take into account who you're coming up against. I'm not saying that David Wagner doesn't do that, but I think against Tottenham, we just we saw another sort of town performance where, you know, we, it may have been worth, I don't know, having another central defence. Uh, well, I guess he was hamstrung with injuries, but having another central midfielder in there, you know, maybe start billing Moy and Hogg, um, give yourself a bit more protection. Um, but, you know, it, you know, <laughs> he's got down to the Premier League, um, so you're not going to argue with any of his decisions.
0: Here's, here's a scenario for you though. If, if David Wagner does make changes and and does try to be a bit more rigid and, and defensively sound, if that's possible, because you know even though they they conceded four on the weekend, they'd only conceded three beforehand, so it's not mm. exactly if you know this is a team leaking goals for any reason. Um, if he do, if he does make those changes and Huddersfield are still beaten, you know quite handily by Tottenham, isn't that then you know? One people then sort of say, you know, why didn't we just stick to what we know and and all that sort of thing? He's almost damned if he does and damned if he doesn't in that sort of a situation, isn't
1: he? Well, yeah, that's that's the the life of a football manager, though, isn't it? If you lose <laughs> a game, you're gonna you're gonna get sort of complaints, but and and you know, you know, as I said before, he's got the success by not changing, but I think you know sometimes you do have to change against those better, like the top six teams as I said before, no one expected town to get anything from the game beforehand. So, you know, if you make those changes and you do get a point, then, you know, that's, that's, that's a bonus point, really. Obviously town, if had town of one four nil at the weekend and he hadn't made any changes, then, you know, you're not going to complain, but that's just the life of a football manager. Everything sort of 2020 in hindsight.
0: If we look at the, some of the plays in their individual performances a little bit, I think um a few eyebrows were raised with just how quickly Aramoy was taken off the field, especially given that you know he's going on to international duty, so it 's not a particular concern of huddersfield to to not put miles on this tank at this point because it 's not as if you know he's not going to be going to play Syria in two legs um after the game anyway. Why do you think that decision was made? Was it just to say you know the game's gone? We'll sort of take you out of the firing line, make sure you're not going to get injured, and you know, give Philip Billing a chance to impress from here on in. Or was it, you know, or do you think it was recognition that perhaps he wasn't having his best game in that particular environment?
1: I I, I would agree that he didn't have his his best game, um, but I don't think anyone had their best game. I still don't think anyone had their worst game really uh, for Town. No. So I think probably the decision was made because because he's played a lot of games up until this point, he has got more games over the international break. So maybe a a, a rest is needed for him at certain points when they, when they can sort of give him time off. Um, And yeah, and as you said, the game had, the game had gone by that point. So you're not really risking him. I think if it had, it been one nil 20 minutes to go, we wouldn't have seen Aaron Moy getting taken off the pitch. So (laughs) you can see why he's done it. Um, And I think, you know, with with these two games against Syria coming up, I think getting him sort of a bit of rest. Although, <clears throat> although you know, it's, it might not make a huge amount of difference for someone like Aaron Moy, who does play a serious amount of games. Come sort of April and May, he might have a bit more left in the tank if you can t- if you can take him off at certain points.
0: The flip side of that is, for me, I think. Christopher Ginger aside, Philip Billing when he came on was the most positive thing about that game. I thought he was he was excellent. He was back to the, the type of form and performance he was putting in at the the start of the season in those palace and Newcastle games. The way he carried the ball was incredibly confident. You know, the passes he was playing were, were excellent. He was he was getting more um he was cutting behind Tottenham more than anybody else had with the ball previously before him coming on. And we've seen him do this against top sides previously. It was his assist against Manchester City in the away leg last year that that got uh, Huddersfield ahead. Another couple of balls in that game probably should have been finished off. I think one was to to Joe Lolly and he finished really poorly. And even this season, we've we've seen him do similar in sort of the, the Rotherham Cup game when he came on and changed that game as well. Is this something that sort of we should be aware of that you know we know Billing perhaps is missing consistency at the moment, but that's obvious given his age that he's not the complete article yet, but are these pockets where he clearly is in the mood and and does have the ability to do things with the ball that nobody else in that Huddersfield squad does, should he be getting those minutes there when needed? <laughs>
1: I, yeah I think you know being a young player David Wagner has an outstanding record of developing young talent Phil Billing is a massive talent and he will go on to be a premier league footballer for for years to come I think if he if he chooses to um and and doesn't move abroad or wherever um because I think there there will be you know people, clubs coming in for him you know in the next few years that sort of thing so it's yeah. what
0: he tried with a 10 million pound bid. if uh if you know rumors are to be believed
1: yeah, exactly. So you, you know that people are, you know, even if that bid wasn't true, you still know that people are def- definitely looking at him because of his performances last year and because of the performances at the start of this year. So he's one yeah, of those players no smoke that... smoke
0: without fire, is there?
1: Exactly. So there's, there's you know, it, 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 he's an exceptional talent. He's one that I think is just going to get better with age and a bit more maturity. Um, I think playing alongside the likes of Jonathan Hogg Aaron Moy and having Dean Whitehead in the changing room as well, you know, that's only going to benefit him in the long run. Um, and hopefully he's someone that's going to have a long and prosperous career with Huddersfield town in the premier league. Um, you know, he, he's shown that he's got pretty much everything to his game. Um, and as I said, I, it, I think that the trouble for him is that he's in one of town's sort of strongest positions on the pitch. Cause they've got Aaron Moy, they've got Jonathan Ogden and they've got Danny Williams, you know, three players, Sort of, and Aaron Moy is going to play pretty much every game. So you've got almost three players playing for that one position. And he, you know, David Wagner likes his rotation. He'll keep switching it up. I think that'll benefit Phil Billing rather than playing every single game week in week out. I think it'll benefit him to drop in and out and, you know, play against certain teams and not play against others. So yeah, it's an—he's an exciting player to watch, and he's going to be an exciting player to see sort of grow into what he will be in the future.
0: He was only given a, a five in the paper, which I've already aired my grievances with. Is that a, a, a score you agree with? I mean, um, sort of the the player ratings is something as a as a whole that you know you've got to take with a bit of pinch of salt because there's only so much you can deduce from a number and a sentence. But I thought a five was perhaps a little bit harsh.
1: I think uh, I, th- I thought it was probably worth more than a five. I think. The as you said, it, the player ratings are, you know, to 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 for a football cliche to say a football cliche, you know, football is is a game of opinions. Yeah. Um, I thought he he was worth more than a five. Some people didn't. Some people did. So it's it it's seems one to of be somebody that that, that
0: that divides opinion quite handsomely. I mean, if you you ever speak to town fans and 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 whatnot, there'll be some that clearly rate him and see his his future being really big and there's others who, you know, have questioned his mentality and his work rate and what have you. And and he seems to be, you know, a Marmite sort of a footballer for for some reason. It's almost as if, you know, because some of the things he does is quite nuanced because there's, you know, he's not, you know, Aaron Moy in that he's not making all the tackles and clearly doing all the running. He, he does, you know, less more understated things than than perhaps other players do um that tends to feed into this uh, perception of him that he doesn't do enough when he's on the pitch
1: i think so i think i think you know i i'm, I'm a big big fan of his i think he's going to be a really good talent i think you know maybe yeah. there is a bit of a bit of learning to do on the mental side of things but you know that just comes with age that you know you you learn that through experience so that's not really an issue for me um, you know, I, I would say, although he does split opinion, he probably doesn't split, split opinion as much as, say, Rajiv Van lapara. Para. Um, <laughs> some people seem to absolutely love Van Lapara, Some people think, you know, his end product's not there or what have you. Um, so, yeah, I think it, that's just, again, football just being a, a game of opinions in terms of sort of per game and also in general about, you know, the, the, the makeup of the squad at the time. So, you know, it's it's, it's something that we all... That's why we love football. We love to debates and things like that. So mm. that's why you know, there's nothing better than sitting in a pub with a pint and talking to your mates about who you think's going to score, who you think's you know overrated in in your team squad.
0: We were very animated in, in a bar the other evening in the Harry Kane versus Alan Shearer debate that is going to rumble on until our dying days, I think. Uh, well,
1: there's, <laughs> no, there's no debate there, mate, so... Uh...
0: Yeah, it's obviously Harry Kane, but um, <laughs> one of the other things that seems to have divided uh, town fans is, speaking of Harry Kane, the applause he got um, when he, he left the field. Uh, obviously, I, I I was watching it from my season ticket seat rather than the away end and sort of without thinking I stood up to give him a a clap as he was leaving the field and I actually felt quite uh, relieved that others around me were doing so at the same time because it may have outed me otherwise Uh, but I I thought it was a really nice touch personally, it may obviously feed into my bias but... um, I thought it was a, a great acknowledgement of what was a fantastic performance. I think it showed class and humility in a way that perhaps other clubs don't. I, I'm not I don't think it, it showed a negative mindset at all. I'm aware that other clubs have done it with perhaps bigger players and, and more impressive performances and two goals away, but I think it, it it showed something within the fan base that is really catching on with, you know, teams that are visiting visiting here for the first time in a long time and, you know, the, the Tottenham Away fans clapped the Huddersfield fans out of the ground and, and little things like that seem to be really positive. I mean, there's no reason why you can't both have the back and forth that everyone enjoys while the game's going on. But while there's you know a play going off, or while there's the end of the game and, and what have you, I don't see why there can't be a level of of sort of respect there as well as sort of the the back and forth that had been there previously.
1: Yeah, I thought I think you know you, you everyone recognises good good players and and good performances. So and Harry Kane deserved his round of applause. He, you know he's been exceptional. He was exceptional at the John'sford Stadium, and he has been for you know the last month or so. Um, and and they, the crowd recognized that and as he said town fans are just making friends left right and center in the Premier League the amount of tweets that we see after after the weekend's game against whoever it may be saying oh yeah t- to be fair huddersfield Ta- town fans are great they never stop singing you know that i hope you know wish them all the best for the rest of the season that's so, so good to see and although you know there might be a bit of banter flying Flying around, you know, during the game, being able to, to forge relationships with teams is only going to be beneficial to the football club and to the area as a whole. So it's great to see, and and I've just got to say as well how fantastic they, the town fans, were against Tottenham, singing their team for, you know, getting behind the team at four nil down, still singing, still having a good time, jumping around in the stands. That's something that you don't see very often uh, in the Premier League. You know, the, the amount of times. You know, where you see a team 4-0 down, there's just fans heading for the exits. Not that no-one was heading for the exits against Tottenham a little bit early to beat the traffic, but, you know... it's a vast can, minority. Yeah, and and you can also just hear a pin drop when, when the home team's 4-0 down quite a lot. But that mm. just didn't happen at the John Smith Stadium at the weekend, and it was just another feather in the cap of, of the Huddersfield Town fans who've been exceptional, not only this season, but, you know, since I've been watching Town.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not as if it's not a rival team we're playing. It's not a player that has a, a particular history against the club or anything. It's you likely the next captain of the <laughs> national team, so there is an understanding there that you know the context is wider than just this single match itself. Um, I mean, there's there's people in that ground who will have seen Harry Kane play when he was was on loan at Orient and scored a goal and got sent off, and they'll have seen him from being a teenager returning to when he's in his mid-twenties as one of Europe's most informed strikers. I think in 2017 the only person who scored more club goals is Lionel Messi and that takes some doing given the names that are underneath Kane in that list. Um, it's I thought it was a fantastic thing and, and as you say on the wider point of of how much people are enjoying coming here to watch football, I don't think that, that points to sort of, you know, the word that's often used is tid pot. Um, and I don't think that that points to sort of a tin pop mentality. I don't think anyone's sort of rolling out a red carpet or being overly sort of uh, accommodating for anyone. What made me laugh most in that game was the Huddersfield fans in no uncertain terms reminding the Spurs end uh, who had more league titles, which I found <laughs> really amusing. Um, so it's not as if, you know, there was, there was not some spikiness there, but there is an understanding that everyone's there to enjoy the football, regardless of the result, and that's not just sort of acting as if it's town's a big day out or anything. Because, as we said previously, you know, had that first ten minutes gone differently, it could have been a far closer game than it was otherwise.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think you know, it's not about sort of clapping players for the sake of it. He had a decent game, and and he <laughs> yeah. took the game away from othersfield town. And as as you said, you know, town could have taken the game by storm if they'd got a goal in the first sort of five minutes. But you know, it it was Harry Kane who put it out of reach. So yeah, fair play to him. Give him a clap, and you know, we'll get him next time.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not as if it's going to be a a weekly occurrence. It's not as if it's something that's happened in the past. It's not as if every time Harry Kane comes to (laughs) Huddersfield, now he's going to get clapped off the field. It just depends on sort of the context of that one game, and I think to. The people who, who did it and whatnot, they they knew the reasons they were doing it and they sort of there was the same idea and, and um an intent behind it and it was more sort of just acknowledgement and appreciation of the performance rather than than anything else. And I don't think there's there's anything too negative to be to be said about that personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I agree. Um,
0: if we discuss sort of another couple of players just while we're here. Um, Laurent de Poitre, again, I thought was absolutely outstanding. Um, I'd wrote a piece sort of prior to the game saying that, you know, he's subverted expectation depending on, you know, What people thought immediately, including ourselves, when we saw him and just his appearance and sort of his initial um, run outs for the club, we thought, okay, last ten minutes of the game, we'll bang it up to this lad and, you know, he's not going to be very mobile. He'll be very strong. And, you know, there's essentially it's not going to be a nuanced player we've got here. It's a blunt instrument for when we desperately need a goal. And he's been anything but that. I mean, he's his movement is fantastic. His energy is brilliant. His work rate yesterday, not yesterday, sorry, in the last game, even when 4-0 down was fantastic, he, he didn't stop running and didn't seem to want to stop running. I was gutted for him that his his long-range strike just hit the wrong side of the bar. Because had that gone in, I think it would have given the ground an even bigger lift, even if it had just made the scoreline 4-1, to see a, a goal of that quality for a, a player that is really starting um in the process of sort of winning the hearts and minds of the fan base over would have been a, a really nice moment. And I think no less than Huddersfield probably deserved for their efforts. Um are you as enamoured with him as, as I am? 'Cause he's he's sort of he's slowly going into, you know, my my list of favourites. Not that I should have any, but, you know, everyone does.
1: Yeah, i again he he's a striker in form. I mean, he's only got sort of one goal in his or two goals in his last last few games, but he's just the the movement and the way the effort he puts in on the pitch is is exceptional and that's you know that's half the way to winning over the fans is just showing that you're putting the yards in and and you know you're running yourself silly every game and that's what he does he also holds up the ball really well for for the other sort of maybe pacier players around him to get beyond him um he brings players into play and as you said it, his strike from distance that is a strike of a man who's confident in his ability he, who had a, maybe had a bit of a a shaky start but has just grown into it um i think he's well suited to the premier league in in terms of his attributes you know he's he is not just a big man as as you said we thought at the start of the season he's also got a decent touch on him um and the strength to hold it up and also the pace to get sort of in behind work the channels you know and and the goal against leicester where he rolled harry Maguire. that's you know that that was a, a very very good goal you know I think the excitement was all around Steve Mounier for coming for a a club record fee. But, you know, Lauren Departure can really play football too. So I think he's going to have a a really big role to play in this season. I think he's sort of, he may have proved that it's not going to be the Steve Mounier show, you know, week in, week out. It, it, It might be a case of David Wagner rotating and bringing in, you know, whichever player thinks at the time. And also for him to have such a good game against Tottenham, against arguably the best defensive partnership in the league, you know that that just says says so much about about him and his character and his belief and desire to want to sort of help town and and you know have an effort from from you know thirty yards against arguably one of the best keepers in the league as well. So yeah, he was really impressive again and and one that I think we'll see a lot more of before the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, he's sort of this season's cult hero. If we have a look at last season's cult hero, Michael Heffley um after the game david wagner confirmed that he's likely to be missing with this aggravated achilles injury that he's he's been carrying now since the playoff final I, i'm not sure if anyone if everyone is aware yet but he played through the pain in that playoff final and essentially the way he described it in a in a previous um press conference was that you know the reason he missed that penalty and the reason why there was almost no power in it was that his achilles was on the you know on the end of its tether, uh, so to speak. And, you know, that's carried on through the start of the season. He's been playing on it, um, when it's not been fully healed. And while the club are are reticent to have an operation or anything, they, they need to give him more time for that to, to fully heal before he plays on it again. And that's likely from what we've sort of been told tentatively about four to six weeks of, of him being missing. Um, Given he's not played that much and, you know, Tanner out of the League Cup now, which is where his minutes will be, is that a, a huge miss? Because obviously the depth is now gone. The, the only real centre back option that's still there is, is Martin Craney, especially with Stankovic missing at the same time. You know, is, is, if anyone gets injured, it might be time for uh, Mark Hudson to swap out his training gear.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think the, you know, it's it is a shame that that Hef's gone, you know, what he did for the club last season was exceptional. And I still think he's got something to offer, you know, in the premier league. Um, You know, he's spoken about his desire to play in the premier league and it being one of the best, if not the best league in the world. So it's, it's, it's gutting for someone like that, such a big personality to have to miss some of the season. Um, Again, it does, it affects town because they've got only Martin Craney as cover. As you said, it helps that they're out of the league cup because, you know, there's, there's less games to sort of, to get around. I think, you know, from what we heard last time about John Grank Stankovic, you know, he was supposedly back in December, but they're hoping to be, for that to be a little bit earlier, but knowing David Wagner won't want to rush him back and and have that happen again, like Casey Palmer's injury has just returned. Um, So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, if Zanker or Schindler, God forbid, pick up an injury, you know, it's going to be Martin Craney. And then you're probably looking at Dean Whitehead as the cover for centre back there yeah you know he's played a few times there under david wagner i think you know he's got the experience to play there you know sort of as as many players do they start out as center attacking midfielders or sort of center midfielders and sort of slowly drift back as they get older um so yeah it, it'll be interesting if one of them if Schindler or Zanka pick up an injury injury um but let's hope they don't because you know they're two of towns probably standout players
0: on the more positive injury front, I think it's been uh, quietly said that Williams, Kwanar...
1: Mounier, yeah,
0: yeah, um, that those three should be back for the Swansea match, uh, which is good news given you know if things were getting a, a tiny bit thin on the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Mooneye is the is the the record signing. We want him back as soon as possible. Although Lauren departure is. As you know, a capable, not even understudy now, sort of option. Um, but it's always better to have two strikers in your ranks rather than just the one. Um, and you know, and and the others have something to offer as well. Danny Williams has proven in his the games that he's had for town that he's an exceptional player. And Colin Kwan, you know, he's just sort of becoming a bit of a super sub, isn't he? After you know the the uh, his performance in the semi final of the uh, the playoffs last year, so. They've all got something to offer town, and it's going to be great to have them back, not only just to have extra bodies and extra options at David Wagner's disposal.
0: We've actually had a, a question in from Mark Robinson, uh, which I'll drop in now because it sort of makes sense at this point. And you know, what's the likelihood he's asking of the and Mounier starting against Swansea? It's something we've we've touched on lightly in the past, but you know, especially with the the lack of goals in the past few weeks and and how well departure has been playing has the likelihood of of that partnership being you know given a chance from the start at all increased or given how we know David Wagner is committed to his system and, and is likely to to try and fit players into that system and then trying to you know create a new system to fit players into in, in any sort of other sense is it less likely than perhaps some people are wishing it would be.
1: I I don't think it's going to be very likely. I don't think they're. I think they're they're pretty similar players as well. So I think David Wagner sees them doing the same role. I don't think he'll he'll change from the one up front and this sort of four two three one formation that he's got. I think he he likes playing that. That's what's brought him success, and he'll stick with it. Um, it would be interesting to see them up front together because I think they'd push around a few defenders. Um, but then you're going to have to drop sort of one of your Probably one of your creative players after that, and then you know that might throw the balance of the team off. And I, I just don't, I don't see David Wagner sort of sticking two up front really at, at any point this season. If I think if they were still in the League Cup, then maybe he would have experimented there, but not in the Premier League, not with whatever's you know what's at stake in in the top tier English football.
0: Yeah, I'm. I don't think he'll he'll move from that four two three one this season at all. The only thing I could think of, especially seeing how good Tottenham are having adopted that shape, is you'd have to drop a man at the back and play with wing backs to fit into strikers. I think that's the only natural adjustment that Huddersfield could make and I'm not sure it's one that, that Wagner would want to adjust his coaching for because it it's a system that takes a long time to implement and you know, players essentially have to learn new positions within what they're already doing and Given it takes him so long to learn how to play football under David Wagner already, I'm not sure he wants to, you know, to tear a certain degree of that up and start again. But they've got the players to make it work if they wanted to. You know, you wouldn't well, have to move Moy and Hogg. You could put Scott Malone down the left and Smith down the right, and move Lever into a, a left centre back position with Schindler in the middle and Zanka to his right. It, it wouldn't actually be, you know you wouldn't be fitting a square peg in a round hole but it's just the the fact that it's so time consuming and the last thing he'd want to do is to to shift one of the pillars of his ideology this early on into a season and for that to cost them any results for any reason
1: yeah i, I can't see him moving to 3 at the back i think it, there seem to be to me football seems to work in sort of in in trends i think yeah, when very when much Jose, so. Yeah, when Jose Mourinho first came to the Premier League, he brought the 4-2-3-1 with him. Um, and, you know, everyone started adopting that system. With Antonio Conte having so much success with three or five at the back last year, whatever you want to call it, I think that's now become sort of the, the fashionable thing to do. Um, but I think, you know, Huddersfield Town have proven that the 4 3 one for them works. I think it depends on on the manager. And, you know, I, I don't think he'll change he'll change anything even though he may have the players to do it
0: yeah i'm in agreement i it's, it's a card in the back pocket should he ever need it but it's it's not one that i think he'll draw to uh, with any sort of priority at all
1: no I, again as i said i think if it was in the league cup it might be something that if had they worked at it on the training ground it might be something that they'd you know if they if they drew a lower league club in in one of the rounds of the League Cup then possibly, but now that it's just the FA Cup and and the Premier League for town, I I don't see it happening.
0: We've had another question in from uh, Neil Bussey who's asking about uh, Christopher Lover against Scott Malone um, and whether or not, you know, who's the first choice there at left-back given that um, Lover's struggled against Pacea players on that wing, you know, Antonio and the like have have done well against him there was a penalty on that side in in a previous game against Leicester and obviously in this game there was a a couple of questionable moments that led to to goals as well Um, and when Malone has come on he's he's obviously been a lot more positive going forwards because that's just his his natural game is that likely to be a position that Scott Malone is is you know running ahead of now and also is there any chance that Malone and Lover ever playing the same team together, with Malone used as sort of a more of a traditional left winger, given that the the, the wingers haven't been producing in, in the fashion that we'd want them to as yet, and he's clearly got a, a good range of deliveries and, and pace to, to get him behind the teams.
1: I don't think that I don't think Scott Malone will be used as a as a left midfielder. I think he's seen as a as a left back. I think although maybe we Town have struggled with goals. They also struggled with goals last season and still got promoted. So, you know, they, they're still successful because of their strength at the back. And I think in Rajivan, the Para and Tom Ince on the left, they're, they're fine in that position. It's just about sort of getting more balls into the box and just sort of trying your luck a little bit more. We haven't really seen that many strikes. You know, De Potter had an, an effort from 30 yards last game, which hit the bar, you know, a couple of inches below and it's in. So I think it's just about you know taking your chances and that kind of thing i think the more interesting question is at left back you know is malone now ahead of lover i, I don't think you can say that he's ahead chris chris lover had an exceptional season for town last year um and he's sort of maybe had a maybe struggled slightly at the start of the premier league i think it does take a bit of time to adjust even though he's you know going from english football to english football to make that jump from championship to premier league takes different players, different amounts of time. And I think David Wagner won't want to drop him and shatter his confidence because it must be reasonably low at the minute anyway. So I think at some point you are, you know, if if, can, if the mistakes continue, you will have to say, you know, well, you know, it's time to bring Scott Malone in for, for a start. But I think as well with it being Tottenham that the last team was and, and Chris Lever making the mistake for the first goal, you know, it, it ended up being four nil, so it wasn't really that sort of decisive anyway. Um, I think over the international break they'll sort of continue to work hard on the training ground, and I think we'll see Lever start against Swansea. Um, but again, as I said, it would be interesting if there's a couple more mistakes. You know, how long David Wagner leaves it before giving Scott Malone a run out in the first team?
0: So no, no current worries of, uh Christopher Lever then.
1: Not, not for me personally. I think you know, although he's sort of maybe stuttered at the start of this season, I, I think from what I saw of him all of last year, I think he, you know, he's got all the makings of being a Premier League player. It might just take him a bit more time to adjust, and I think fans need to be patient. I also, I think David Wagner will be patient with him because he wouldn't have brought him to the club if he didn't think he could do a job. You know, he he was an ex dortmund player, captain of Kaiserslautern. I think, you know, he's got all the makings of being a Premier League left-back.
0: We we actually got some audio with David Wagner after the, the Tottenham game where he was asked about playing Malone and Love. And he said that's something that they could explore. But similarly, you know, he echoed what you said in that primarily malone is as a, as a left back so it's it's something that you know if if town continue to struggle in the wide areas going forwards it it's something he doesn't seem to be entirely against but again it's it, it's not something that seems to be a priority at
1: present no I, I i think david Wagner will keep his options open and he'll say oh yeah maybe we'll try that maybe we'll try this but for me again again being knocked out the league cup it's not something that you I don't think you'll try it in the in the premier league so as much as it he will keep his options open and he'll say oh yeah I might try him there him here i i don't think scott malone and chris Love will play too many games together this season and if they do i think it'll be well i think it'll be sort of if if town are 2-1 down And they just need more deliveries into the box. Maybe Mounier and De Poitre are on for the final 10 minutes. And and Scott Malone there just to whip balls into the box to the two big men. So, you know, it's something that David Wagner might not be against, but it's not something that I can see happening regularly.
0: Um, Just before we go, I think that's everything we need to talk about the club at present. But... um... On Thursday's podcast, we're going to try and do something different and it's going to require some audience participation. Uh, it's not anything too out of the blue or anything, but it's you know, essentially what we're wanting to do is a, is a mailbag podcast. So we really enjoy getting the, the questions in for the end of the show and with it being an international break and there not being a, a press conference or a game to worry about, it'd be a good opportunity for us to sort of take stock of the season up to date given there's probably about a fifth of it gone. Um, and we can sort of, you know, answer any questions and concerns you've, you've got and, and have a proper discussion about them. So we've obviously got the email address, uh, which is podcastexaminer.co.uk. So if anyone's got any sort of long-winded questions or, or ideas they need uh, to put in a longer form than on they would on Facebook or on Twitter, then they can do that there. Obviously, our Twitter account is o t b a pod uh which is fairly self-explanatory so you can tweet his questions there until thursday when we'll be recording rory will be back in the office so we can go through there but ideally we want sort of a good 10 15 questions if not more to to really sink our teeth into and and give a decent Mm -hmm. amount of time to and and think about so if everyone can get those over to us and and those two um Fashions primarily, they're the ones that, that we've got the, the most um, access to and, and we'll be able to sort of pay most attention to. But sort of any concerns over the, the season, obviously me and Rory don't mind debating each other. So if you've got any questions about sort of football in a wider context, you've heard us talk about diving, about sort of, um, you know, technology and, and things like that. So if there's a question in, in that sort of a manner, then we'll be more than happy to field those. Obviously... Huddersfield based things are the priority but you know general football and, and you know even if it's sort of questions about reporting or something I don't think we'd we'd mind about that if there's any questions sort of you have about how Huddersfield Town are reported, what it's like to go to a press conference or the sort of you know Rory's there every match they reporting in that sort of a fashion so if you want to know what it's like to report on a live game or anything like that then I'm, he's not afraid of answering those questions I don't think
1: No, I'll answer anything. Absolutely anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, anything that's sort of as close to topic as we can have. We can obviously bend the rules a little bit given there's not much um, league football on. So anything a tiny bit off topic as well if you fancy... Get your questions in. We'll get through as many of them as possible. If it's if it's a success, we can you know look at doing them more regularly and doing sort of maybe once a month, running a big mailbag feature and sort of you know getting through as many fan questions as possible. Because um, you know as we said previously, when we launched a podcast and everything, this is a a show for Huddersfield Town fans about Huddersfield Town. So if, if we're not serving that purpose, we're not doing our jobs properly, and uh, that doesn't sound like me or you, does it, Rory?
1: No, not at all. <laughs>
0: um, that's everything for this week then. Uh, you can listen to old episodes on Audio Boom or iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at the aforementioned address and all the old episodes are on the Examiner website as well. Rory, I will see you on
1: Thursday. Yep, I'll well, see you then. Ben
0: jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Huawei P Smart. Voor 14,50 per maand, 100 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Weken. Kijk op ben.nl Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.